0: Now, listening to Chris Spiracy. Chris X Matt. question everything. Break the matrix. We are the ones they fear. If we don't make the change, it's never going to change. Chris Spiracy. Yo, 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 yo. What's good, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Chris Spiracy. I am your gracious host, Chris X Matt. There's many Chris's out there, but there's only one Chris X Matt, and that is me. That is I. Welcome to the Chris podcast, where we continue to break the matrix. And today, I'm very excited about our episode, but before we get into who I got today, I do want to just say real quick, what the fuck is going on out here? It seemed like the Democrats are back to regular scheduling program. We got the false flags happening again, the PSYOPs. Um, it seems like they're trying to come after the guns. And, man, conspiracy people have been saying this, y'all. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, they've been saying. They've been talking about New World Order, about them coming for the guns, communism, socialism. And we've seen a conspiracy theory play out in front of our eyes. And if y'all can't see that by now, I mean, there's not much I could do for you. I'm sorry. But, and people are, you know, emotions are getting caught up in a lot of things. You know, we got, everyone runs to Twitter. Everyone wants to Instagram. Now, the Asian propaganda's a thing and then now the gun shit's a thing now again. And what was all this last year, man? It's like Trump got out the way and shit just got back to how it's how it's been rocking and And man, we looking like we're gonna be China in a few in a few uh years. So who like who knows where it's gonna go? But you can't tell me it's not looking like we're going down that communist uh road. And uh, you know our guest today, he he's he's very aware of what's going on as well, and he and he'll touch on a lot of this shit um, that's happening. But it's just funny to me that out of nowhere, you know, and, and it happened on the 22nd. We had a false flag on the 22nd on Bo- on Skull and Bones Day, and a 22 Master Destroyer Day. Like it, it always seems like some some psyops hop- happening on 11 days, on on 22 days. You know, you, you watch videos and the 33s pop up everywhere. So. You can't tell me this shit's a conspiracy theory when when the symbols are everywhere. But I don't even get too involved no more. I don't get too uh, uh, emotionally attached to what's going on. I, anything that I see through a screen, whether it be a phone or a TV, is questionable to me. I'm not letting them just mess with my emotions. I'm not giving The Matrix my energy like that. Like, I really, I, if I can't, I'm not gonna fly to Boulder, Colorado and go fix this shit, right? Like, I mean, so what can I do? I mean, I could just look from afar just say what I got to say, and that's it. But all this shit is pro- it's just agendas that are they're pushing, man. There's just narratives they're pushing, agendas they're pushing, and they, they're going for one goal, and that's a new world order, a new normal. I mean, then the books, they say in 2030, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get to the new world order by 2030. Yo, know, 10 years from now, that's a, good, that's a good way to start prepping it from now. As of right now, start implementing new ways, the technology, technology taking over, Bitcoin becoming crazy um everyone's just moving to a different space and it's either you have to adapt or you get left behind and it is what it is and and that's the reality that I'm also getting to where as much as you try to wake people up as much as you're trying to like you know you want things to be quote-unquote right and fair and all that and it's like that should normally always work out well for you some people end up you know hurting like that so you kind of just have to look out for you and yours and and uh control your inner matrix control what you can't control what you can't feel what's around you you know don't let these these screens get get the get the best of you um so today on the show i do have a, a, an amazing guest with us I, this is someone that i've looked up to for a minute since i came across him i found out about him because gary the numbers guy you guys know how you know how I fucks with gary yes he's you know gary questionable i get it i get it he gotta chill sometimes i get it but um Gary has, you know, his information and his knowledge has helped a lot of people. And uh, he did his interview with this, per- with uh, the, my guest that I have today. And I was sold on the, on, on this, on the personality, you know. And uh, I started digging, doing my research, started looking, started listening to uh, his podcast called "Hot Has Been Told You." I started listening to, um, or started just viewing his, uh, going through his YouTube channel, listening to, watching the Love and Marriage Show, watching his, um, him build his, his new blog that he just dropped. Um, I just really just been peeping, and he really gives you game. He has a book for even males and the masculine energy. Um, he's an author, so he's worked on the tech. He's a tech person. He owns a lot of tech companies. He works. Um, he has an app called The Gifted Ties that I use. You know, he he has an uh, app called uh, Wazo. I think it was Wazo AI, um, and he also uh, he has a Bitcoin app, well, a wallet type of currency holder thing. And I actually have some crypto questions as well. We want to talk about NFTs. I'm kind of curious about NFTs. I want to get a little bit of information if he does have information on that. But I've, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very honored for this person to come on my show, and I'm happy to have him on my show, and I think it's going to be an amazing episode. So I hope you guys are ready for today, because today we got none other than the man of God himself, the OG grifter, Brian Sharp, a.k.a. Hotep Jesus. How are you doing today, sir?
1: what's up brother thank you for having me appreciate you man love
0: man thank you man a, it, it means a lot for people with your type of platform to do i'm a realist like i told you before we started recording i know my platform is smaller so people like people like you doing my show means a lot because it brings different eyes to me and i know i've heard you say that before where you kind of say uh you know someone some one of your guests might say oh shit you know HoTep did conspiracy cool i'm gonna go do that shit too
1: yeah yeah you know i might be the launch pad for the smaller platforms i just remember what it was being like you know when i was a little guy reaching out to some people like hey you know and i'm like i'm looking at him like like you ain't that big motherfucker you know what i mean come come kick it with me let's talk you know and it wouldn't happen because a lot lot of people had egos so when i was down i was like man when i'm up, i'm gonna pull so many people up because that's really what this is about it's about the fact that you know we have this establishment that has its own agenda and the people need more real leaders and you know there's only so many spots they're going to be able to you know so many sparks or or so many lights that are going to ascend and and sometimes those lights ascend and then they dim out right they 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 no longer become a light or a beacon of hope for people so it's like when you ascend you got to bring others with you and that's really how we fight the establishment you got know, to you got you to gotta turn back around and lift the next man up because once he comes up, then um he can pull the next person up. Right. So anybody I pull up, if they don't extend that love to the next person, you know, they're going to have to deal with the wrath of karma because, you know, I, I've 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 giving you that gift and the curse right so when i pass that that baton to you and you don't pass it to the next person you might lose your spot next time and i might set somebody up to take your spot (laughs) just because you didn't pull people up you know so don't be a gatekeeper be a gate opener
0: do you feel like the baton has been has been passed to you
1: um absolutely absolutely without chris lighty without 50 cent you know like Mm. i remember you know chris lighty you know r.i.p chris lighty He he was the, the first person to really give me a shot, you know, and, and said, Hey, you know, hire this guy, right? Um, it was it was really violator management that, that put me in a position I am today. I mean I worked hard for it, you know, not to say I didn't do it myself. Wow. Um also uh, my homie Demick, you know, I was in a rough patch of my life and I always say like if there's anybody that saved my life, it was Demick, D E M I C. Um really, really brilliant duel. And I was just in a rough patch patch of my life, and um he breathed life back into me <laughs> you know yeah. i was I had my own record label, he had his own record label, we had some crossover between our artists and friends, and so on and so forth, but my artist got incarcerated, and I just wasn't compelled to be involved in music anymore and and you know I was just like really trying to find my way again. So I started, you know, I started studying. I was reading the self-help books and so on and so forth and just trying to recenter my life. And then he reached out to me was like, yo, I'm about to go shoot a music video. You want to roll? I was like, man, I'm broke. I can't even do it. He was like, man, don't even worry about it. We're going to drive down. We're going to do it, whatever, whatever. So we went down to um, Orlando and uh, shot his music video. And it just like breathed life back into me. And on the way back, uh, he was like, yo, you want to form a group? I was like, word, I was like, I'm going to be rapping now because, you know, I'm used to, you know, yeah. being the manager, you know, but it wasn't like I didn't know how to rap when you were around, you you playing around, you in the cyphers, you know, you writing. I was always writing. I was recording music of my own, but I was still managing artists. But, you know, I'm the type of person where if I'm in a label, I want to make music so I know how to make music so I can help my artists, Right. So, you know, I was immersed in it. So when he asked me to do that, I was like, word. And then we went on to become a touring act. And, and that really, really changed my life, man. It was it was really amazing. So, you know, he he was definitely one of the people that pulled me up. And he still pulls me up to this day, you know. Um, he was great, great, brilliant, brilliant cat.
0: And obviously the Chris Lighty connect, connected you with, uh, with 50 Cent, right?
1: Yeah, well, um, another thing, you know, Dem- it was his idea for me to start an entertainment blog. And, um, so I started it and that became like super popular. I got that shit popping, popping crazy. So I was getting invited from the media uh, already. So I was at different artists events and so on and so forth as media. And, uh, you know, they were sending us products people, real housewives was uh, requesting us to interview. I had seven people writing on my blog and it was just really blowing up. Um, you know, we were, we broke the story when Nicki Minaj's nip slip happened. Like mm. we, we were the first blog to really break that to We were the first blog to break that story. And when we broke that story, it broke my website mm. and I had to reach out to, um, an artist that I knew that was signed to universal music at the time and asked him to borrow some money. Cause I knew he just got signed. He had some bread. So I got my site back online, got a new dedicated server. So our site was running much faster to handle the traffic we were now getting, um, and I was able to make that happen in like only a few hours because right? oh, yeah. <laughs> the site went down. Bye. Um, yeah. So, you know, the site was really doing the numbers and then I was just very quick with the stories and I saw 50 cent dropped, um, uh, a, a new product. So I covered that product on my blog and he reached out and said, Hey, do you want to come to the launch? And that's where you get to see the video of me and him on the bus. And, um, you know, I'm an artist, so I'm sitting on a bus. It's 50 cents right there. You know, I, when I first got there, it was a double-decker bus, New York City. When I first got there, I tried to sit in the front because I knew that's where he was going to sit. His security got on, was doing clearance for the bus, was like, nah, you got to move. So I was like, all right. So I moved back. And then it was like a lot of, you know, executive people there, people in radio, some other famous people on the bus that I was just chilling, just enjoying the vibes. And when the bus pulled off, it just felt too quiet. I'm like, yo, we on a bus, of fifty. it's supposed to be live on here, yeah, you know? Yeah. So the bus pulled off, it stopped at the light, and I looked over to my right, and I just seen people just standing outside, and I'm like, they don't know we on a bus of 50 Cent. So one mind is like, yo, tell them we on a bus of 50 Cent. Other mind was like, chill, you about to get kicked off the bus. Yeah. But one thing I always learned was, whenever you have fear and doubt, you got to go towards fear and doubt. And usually that's when things happen for you. So say, I broke through the fear, and I got up, I'm like, yeah, I'm on a bus of 50 Cent. And somebody was like, stop lying. I'm like, yo, he said right here, right? So his 50 stood up and they were like, oh my God. C- Crowd was going yeah. crazy. So they start throwing product off the side of the bus, blah, 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 blah. And then when the bus pulled off, his management team was like, you, come here. Come to the <laughs> front of the bus. Keep doing that, right? Yeah. That's That was live, like how you got it lit right there. Um, and I knew all about the product and everything. So I'm shooting out there catchphrases and stuff. Like I studied the product. And then um, that night, they had like a a, a launch party. So Angela Simmons was there, mm-hmm. uh, Omarion was there, like people from TV and movies was there. So I'm in there mingling, like, eh, yeah. hey, you know what I mean? Um, I didn't get home till five o'clock the next day. I'm high off energy drinks and alcohol. Just so lit, man, so lit. Didn't have a dollar to my name, barely got home.
2: No.
1: And um, yeah, I so home. I, uh, of course, I had got a lot of business cards. So over the next few months, I was just following up with the business cards, following up, following up, following up. Finally, I got a meeting and they were like, yo, we got an event out in Chicago. We want you to come out and host. So I went out and did that. And that's when Chris Lottie was like, you see that kid right there? He got some some fire with him. So they invited me to dinner and I'm now kid sitting at dinner with 50 and 50 turned to me at dinner. He pointed at me. He's like, yo, you a genius. And I was like, yo, I'm humble. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then it's just been on ever since
0: (laughs) so you had you had an actual personal relationship with 50.
1: i wouldn't say a personal relationship it was definitely business i was working for uh a subsidiary basically of his of his money and um so you know i'd have to go down to the g unit offices we shot a couple of joints together. I got my daughter in one of the commercials. You know, um, he came in the office. I was hosting events for him. Like we did one in Vegas. We did the Chicago one and I think there might have been another one and I can't remember. But you know, I was you know, um it, it was a business relationship. It was definitely not personal. I had I had gotten personal relationships with some of his team, but not him. Yeah.
0: So rewind a little bit before that. How did the Chris Lighty connection even come about? How did you guys even cross paths?
1: So so remember on the bus, his team is there. So that was violated. Management is on the bus. So when I followed up, it was the subsidiary of his money that reached back and said, hey, we need brand ambassadors to work the Chicago event. Oh,
2: okay.
1: Right? It was like a trade show. mm and they got this huge booth, 50 Cent's faces up there, we're all big, and you know we're handing out product and just doing promo at the trade show. And um, I'll never forget this one black dude. He said, "Yo, if you really want to stand out, um, change the garbage. Like keep an eye on the garbage because when you're handing out product, people are drinking it and throwing it in the garbage. It fills up really fast." Mm-hmm. So I was keeping an eye on the garbage, I was hustling, I was very high energy, you know, I was just, you know, really killing it. I mean, I was just a young kid who grew up on 50, and I'm like, I'm just happy to be there. Yeah. Whereas everybody else is kind of there, like, I'm just here for the check. And I'm like, screw the check, like, I'm here with 50 in Chicago, like, mm. this is like, i am I made it, yeah. right? <laughs> like, yeah. this is my dream. And although it didn't come through music, still, I was with 50, so that's music. And so Lighty was there at the trade show. And that's when he first noticed me when I was just hustling. I didn't say nothing to him. I didn't, we never had any interactions. I've never, actually, I can't say i never had an interaction with Lighty because obviously we did have one at dinner um, and maybe on one other occasion. But before that, I didn't have any um, interaction other than meetings. Right. Um, That was after the fact. Uh, But I didn't know about this until, like, maybe a year later. Somebody was like, yo, Chris Lighty put you on. I was like, where? It's like, yeah.
0: How old were you at the time? 20, 20?
1: Uh, 31. 31.
0: Damn, man. Top of the world at 31, you feel like, huh?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, at 30, I'm broke, and I got kids, and I'm like, I don't know where my life going right now. Everybody like, yo, you messing with this blog, and it's not bringing no money, and everybody's in my ear, and... You know, I'm, I'm barely, ma- I'm hustling and just barely making rent every month, right? Like, I'm making money online yeah, just yeah. to make rent, <laughs> right? So then when I got the job, you know, I started making some real bread now and the checks was coming fat. Mm. Now I'm talking like, I told you yeah. it was going to work. I told you it was going <laughs> to work, you know? So it was just really, really live. It was just really, really, it was like my breaking moment. But I was 31 at that point, you know, and it was, that was finally, my big break and but
0: did you you actually ran a this is 50 or because i mean that website kind of no no, uh, no no
1: no no oh, no okay. i never i never worked for this is 50 oh, okay. um I'm, in fact in fact i actually hacked my way on a, this is 50 when 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 50 dropped this is when he dropped uh the 50th law uh-huh. i never forget the day it dropped i was anticipating the night before you gotta remember i'm media so i gotta be right. on top of this stuff So that morning I woke up, I left the crib to go to the store to go get the book. Now when I did that, my shorty bugging, I come back, she like, why'd you leave the house? You didn't go to the store for no book at no 8 a.m., you was messing with some chick. I'm like, yo, I swear I went to go buy this book, like, she's like, no, nobody gets up to go buy a book at 8 a.m., I'm like, yo, I swear to you. So I had posted my picture with the book and I tagged 50 and everything. And then later on that day i made this is 50.com front page mm, okay and went viral okay so then i went to my shorty like see i told you i told you i knew what i was doing i told you. she's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i was like, i told you i had to get this you know i had to really like move yeah. so i had made my name on this is 50 from that you know mm, I like from okay. from from that so viral moment
0: so that's where And you still weren't hotep Jesus though at this point, huh? It was still still not hotep Jesus yet. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So so when did that like conversion happen then? Because going from working in the music industry with these people, it's completely opposite of what you're pushing now.
1: So when I'm working for Fifty, I feel very lonely. Right? I had a lot of frenemies, friends that I thought was my friends was jealous of my big opportunity so they wasn't around and i thought because we came up in music right. like they would just appear like yo you were 50 yo we coming up to ny with you and they just wouldn't come and i'm just like why are they not coming up here like we finally here i got 50s air i could get y'all signed the g unit possibly or one of these other record labels because i'm there with sony i'm at hot 97 i'm at all the record labels def jam I'm, i was in def jam building when they were designing Two Chains logo you know <laughs> Yeah. I was there, like when he showed me, like, hey, which one do you like? You know what I mean? In the offices. So I was there, like, in the industry and and using the the fact that I was with 50 to get leverage to just see what's happening at these labels. So I was at Atlantic. I was at an, in the Sony building, you know. So in fact, our building was across the street from Sony, Caddy Corner.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's crazy. So like like my friend of me was just like so I just felt really alone. The only person I had was Demick and he's a hustler and like I said we was on tour so Demic was was everywhere with me so outside of him I just felt really lonely because if he wasn't there it was just me and I was like where the people I came up with just wasn't around and the, the part that was really scary was I started noticing people that wasn't messing with me when I was an independent artist that knew about me because remember when I was a touring artist like we were we were pretty big in our state like people knew of us but you know it's a lot of hate but when I did the 50 thing, people was reaching out like da 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 And I'm like, yo, back then you didn't want me. Now I'm hot. You all know me. So I finally got what Mike Jones was saying Yeah. when he said that line. I was like, damn, this is real. But then being in different places, like I remember this one dude used to come up to the office. He used to always drink Ciroc. I ended up having Ciroc bring bring us some drinks, you know, bring us some bottles of Ciroc. And I remember this one dude, he used to always come to the office and, and drink Ciroc with and then we was at a party one time and he pulled up and I know he seen me, but he felt like he was a Hollywood star. And he wanted me to approach him or people to approach him. So when he walked in the door, he stopped and just looked around, you know, trying to wait for somebody to just run up to him. Like, and I just stood there and just looked at him and then he humbled himself and then walked over to me. He was like, yo, what's up, B? Da-da-da. I'm like, nah, chilling. what's up? How are you? You know, and I just started seeing like everybody around me was like real phony. So I'm like, oh, this is what they talking about with people in the industry is shady. And I could just fit like my, one of my superpowers is reading people. I could just be around you long enough. I could read you and read you like a book. Mm-hmm. And I just noticed like everything around me was just real shady. So I like depression set in, you know, um, a lot of it was because I was burnt out physically from working so hard. Um, but a lot, some of it was from, you know, loneliness and 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 the shadiness and having to look over my back and, like, wonder who was down and who was real. And I just got really, like, paranoid. So um, when that situation with the um, 50 Cent subsidiary dissolved, um, I had already launched my own agency at that time. Um, but I didn't want anything to do with music no more. And mm. I shut down my blog. I was like, I didn't want to. I, didn't, I just didn't. Want, I just thought it was all evil. Like, this is like demons. Right. And I was just, just about like, to ask
0: you. I just want to ask you, because I mean, the, the people say the dark arts and the industry and all that, is it, did you get to experience it to a certain level or you didn't get too, too deep?
1: I didn't, I didn't get that deep because I picked up on it mm. from the outside. Yeah. It was, a. it's a vibe you just feel in yeah. interacting with people and you could just see the demon in them. Mm. Like, like people that would be on the cusp, like I remember I was talking to this one dude, and this is right before he got his million dollar um, deal to ha- to start his record label. But I picked up shady vibes on him from from the gate. And then when he got the deal, I saw how he dealt with somebody else I was close to. And she came to me like, yo, he just did me dirty. I helped him build this label. Da 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 da. And I was like, I knew that dude was shady. But you just see the demons. I remember the first time we met one artist from the UK. She's real big. They try to compare her to Rihanna. And I remember being in her dressing room and you know trying to talk to her. Can I guess? <laughs> huh?
0: Can I guess?
1: Go ahead, guess. Read aura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and she gave off demon vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and and it's just I don't know just it just felt funny, her team and how she was acting. And I remember, i never forget, I was right outside her dressing room. Elliot Wilson was in the hallway. I took a picture with him. We kicked it. And KRS' one brother was in the hallway. And KRS' one brother was like, yo, like, I'm sure he acting shady. He he started cussing. He was just wilding in the hallway and shit, you know what I mean, with us. Because he was just like kind of like took our side you yeah. know what I mean like I was just I was venting to him you know yeah. what I mean and I don't think he was trying to do anything negative towards Rita Ora but he was just like yo that's fucked up so he's just being extra loud for no reason and I was just I just felt love so I was like and I met KRS him before and I was like that's like a real individual you know so you know you just see a lot of like devilish shit man it's just like people just acting real demonish you, you know you, you and could, you could
0: tell KRS is a real went, one I'm sorry huh you could tell KRS is a real one look how they kind of the industry pushes them out it's always the ones they yeah. push out is the ones that they don't want to participate in the in the agendas and shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so you know, I was just like I went through a spiritual awakening, man. Like I I I said from this day forward, I'll never wear another necktie. I threw away my suits. Mm. I started wearing African garb and I just was like the locks was getting long now. And I was just, like, on my, like, I went vegan. Like, I just went through a whole type of cleanse. I was hitting the gym, and I just became, like, this whole new person. I left my blog. I deleted my blog off the Internet, which was a terrible business decision, but a great personal decision. And then, um, you know, I... um.
0: And this is still before the Hotep the Hotep This is still journey, before right?
1: Hotep Jesus. So, at this point, I changed my Twitter name to Vibe High. Because I was like, yo, we got to vibrate higher. So I, I leveled up spiritually, mentally, physically, and and was in a different place, you know? And then. Um,
0: Did you have to rebrand as well?
1: I had to start all over. Mm. I had to start all over from scratch because people were like, yo, who is this guy? I, w- I became anonymous. Like when I was on the internet, okay. I didn't even have my face on the internet no more. Like I, I changed my account name to Vibe High and removed my picture. Yeah, <laughs> right. A LARP account. The, uh, nah, I wasn't locked. It was public.
0: No, but I a changed LARP, the, the, A LARP account. Is that what they call it? The yeah, it's like a fake person with
1: the. Uh. Oh, it wasn't a fake person. It was just like this eye, this really weird looking eye. Okay. Yeah. Um. And I was just dropping some knowledge, and people started picking up on it. And then people requested. They said, "Yo, you need a YouTube account." And I think they was trying to say that because I was anonymous, and they wanted to see if I was a real person. So then when they saw my face on YouTube, they were like, oh, he's a real person and he's speaking like straight from the heart. So I, you know, I started doing a YouTube thing, so on and so forth, but I was only doing the YouTube thing. I said, I only got like 14 thoughts to get off my, off my chest. And I had like, maybe, you know, I started doing that and then I started doing more videos, but I started doing the videos for the views and they just wasn't resonate with me. So I stopped doing them because I don't like just doing stuff for views. I like doing it because I really care, you know? Um, so I stopped doing a YouTube thing and then the whole Mike Brown situation popped off mm. and that, and that's when, um, that's when the, the, the black liberals gave me the title Hotep. Now, keep in mind prior to when I hear the name Hotep, I'm thinking M Hotep, I'm a Hotep and I'm thinking the greeting, you know, when peace. people say peace, we yeah. say Hotep, but they started calling us Hotep and I'm like, wait, you can't be a Hotep, but they said, yo, shut up, Hotep, shut up, Hotep. So I was like, all right, since y'all dissing the ancestors, I'm going to take this this word and make sure nobody sully it no more. So then that's that's when I became um hotep. And then I was, you know, I was very spiritual with my my voice. So somebody was like, what you think you are, some sort of hotep Jesus? Mm, And I was like, "Yeah." ooh, that shit got a ring to it. And the way it just looked on my screen on my phone. And I sat there, and it only took me about two minutes. And I was like, "Yeah," I changed my name immediately and became Hotep Jesus. Trademarked it, and it's just been on ever since.
0: And then, the, once you established that, did you feel like you have to, you had to kind of quote-unquote grift off the Hotep Jesus name? Because then the the Sean King video happened, right? After you were already Hotep Jesus, or no? Or well, that was before you were Hotep? That was before Hotep Damn, Jesus. Yeah, see, that, that's that's interesting then. That's interesting. So you're already kind of on that on the road to. Okay, I can see why they would call you hot
1: tub then. That makes sense. I was, I, yeah, I was exposing Black Lives Matter before Black Lives Matter got exposed. You got to remember, Black Lives Matter didn't get exposed till last year. Yes, yeah. I was talking bad about him in 2014, 2015. Mm. And it's documented on my YouTube. You can see the video where I said Black Lives Matter is a rainbow agenda. And then I, I I was talking about Sean King. Right. And I did one on YouTube and I did one on Twitter. Two separate videos. And people was like, yo, you hating because... You know, people wasn't following you. Da, da, da. I'm like, what? I'm like, nigga, I just came off of a deal with 50 Cent. Like, yeah. I've been popping. I was a tall artist. I've been popping. Like, why would I be jealous of these cats? Yeah. You know, and I remember seeing like the dude, DeRay McKesson, and I started following him because I thought he was a reporter. And because, you know, he had the right. Ferguson yeah, whole situation. Yeah. So I started following him because I wanted to see what was going on in Ferguson. And then when I seen him on the news and they propped him up as an activist, I said, activist? Yeah. It still ain't no activist. All he do is tweet and pop up videos. Like, is that activism now? Because back in my day, activism meant you had to actually do something. Right. Or you was talking about the conspiracies. Like, you know, when you was an activist, you was talking about the conspiracies, Wall Street, Fed, you know, all these different things, the 13 bloodlines, Illuminati. Right. that was activism. Now Then activism became tweeting. I'm like, IG plus what? Yeah. So I didn't understand that. And I got in touch with Darren Sills, And he was the real dude on the ground. And Darren Sills was like, yeah, I smacked DeRay McKesson when I first seen him because he was out here. You know what I mean? He basically accused him of stealing money and whatnot. And I was trying to expose that to the community. But everybody, you know, the media had hopped on Black Lives Matter and DeRay McKesson in them so much that everybody thought that was the real you know, and they thought, you know, we was just hating.
0: I mean, I so, felt for, um, I I for it, bro. I I was that cat that, you know, looked, would watch Breakfast Club in, interviews every morning. Everybody they would have mm. on and just fall for the propaganda. You know, I, I'm thinking Charlemagne's out here doing something good for people, bringing, you know, a certain light to certain situations. And now I'm like, oh, no, nah, that's why they propped this guy up. That's why he's the personality that he is, because he's pushing that agenda. The just the, the black supremacy agenda, I guess you want to call it. And, you know, the, the, the black, everything black right now, which is, I get it. I get the propaganda behind it. But I was that person, bro. When D-Ray went on there, I'm like, oh, D-Ray's real. When they had, um, I mean, Umar, I think Umar's still a good cat, you know, even though he gets, he gets, he gets clowned a lot. But certain people get on there and I would, I would always vouch every time Farrakhan would go on there. Oh, that's dope. You know, Breakfast Club woke. They got the good people on there. They got the good people on there.
1: Whole, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. They agents. Yeah. You know, so I was, you know, I was just exposing a lot of the stuff I saw and, and calling it for what it was. So I got a block by a lot of black accounts, you know, and which actually saved my account later on because, you know, these black liberals would one day become blue check verified accounts and they would mass report you and all this stuff. So because I had that wall, people wouldn't even see my tweets. So I was able to be in my own little bubble, which was good. But, yeah, I was exposing the agenda and people thought I was hating. I was minding my business. And then the Hotep Jesus thing happened.
0: Was there a certain Hotep in your eyes that kind of that started putting you onto game? Was that Uncle Hotep maybe? Or are you guys meet later on in your journey? Or,
1: um, Well, Uncle Hotep started following me from my YouTube videos. I was Ali Shakur. And he was following Ali Shakur. And... Um, he was buying my merch, and like supporting like crazy, you know, so I followed him back. And then the whole Trump thing, Trump started running. And that's when I first found out about what conservatism was, because Uncle Hotep said he was a black conservative. I'm like, what the hell is a black conservative? Had no idea about these things, because, you know, I remember I wasn't in politics. I was in music and, you know, all that other stuff. So I started studying and peeping game and watching what's going on and you got to remember being a so-called conspiracy theorist i was already on hillary clinton neck Mm. about her dealings in you know the foreign countries and all of that and libya and you know so she was already on my shit list so when trump came about i'm like oh this is easy i'm trump all day Right? Facts, facts. This, yeah. is, this is 2015. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a no-brainer. Later on, people will be like, oh, he cooning, da-da-da-da. And I'm like, nah, like, do y'all know Hillary record with black people? Have y'all seen the people in Haiti and the signs that they've created about her and what they said about her foundation after the, hur- um, after the earthquake? You know what I mean? Like, and, and, there was a lot of... And who works with her, bro? Karen Civil... <laughs> they get the best of us. That's all I'm gonna say. They get the best of us, you know. So when I saw that, when I saw that, I thought that this would be an easy win. I said, "Black, there's no way black people gonna side with Hillary Clinton. They gonna rock with Trump because Trump had the rappers and all of that." Then I watched the media just them. I'm like, "Oh wow!" And then black people's really falling for it. I'm like, "Damn." They really got us. But they was doing it like you remember Jay-Z and Beyoncé was campaigning for Hillary, you know? Yeah. So when they did the concert and all of that. So I'm like, "Damn, they really got the Democratic Party really got us." I'll never and you for- know the Republican?
0: Hmm? I never forget when Pusha T was giving free albums to go vote for Hillary Clinton.
1: Yeah. For Darkest yeah. Before
0: Dawn album. Never forget that.
1: You know, and and I think they um obviously they cutting checks for that, right? It's, it's, they ha- it's have business. To. They have to, yeah. You know, so I can't I can't be too upset because at least you getting paid. Some people out here shilling for the Democrat Party ain't even getting paid. <laughs> no, that's true, right? That's true. You know, they just they just they just grifting. But um, so yeah, so then Trump got elected, and um. I was like, I'm rocking with this. I'm rocking with these cats because ain't no way I, in hell I'm a rock with the Democratic Party, especially after I know their history. You know, the Democratic Party is the party of the KKK, is the party of Jim Crow, is the party of the Confederate flag, right? Like today they try to demonize. You got to remember, they just pulled down a statue of um, Robert E. Lee.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Robert E. Lee was a Democrat, right? So I'm like, but they 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 label Republicans <laughs> as the racists. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this that rules for radical Saul Alinsky strategy when you blame your opposition for that which you are guilty of. Mm. And I'm like, damn, people really falling for this trick. So I try my best to just speak my truth, stand ten toes down, and um and just be real as possible. I even linked up with some so-called white nationalists and 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 um, had conversations with them, right? I had no problem with that. I, when I look back in history, because you got to remember, I'm a dude that do history. I got this book right here. Hold on, I'm going to show you. Yes, yes, sir. It's about Marcus Garvey, um, and it's basically a collecting, collection of his work. It says uh, Selective Writings and Speeches of Marcus Garvey, and this is something I've read before. And in this book, he had meetings with um the KKK. So like, yo, let's sit down. What do y'all want? Right. Let's come to an agreement, right? Let's 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 talk like men cuz y'all getting out of hand right now. Then when we go look at Nation of Islam, the Nation of Islam was working with the Nazi party. <laughs> they had meetings together. Nation on one side, the Nazi party on another. So here we are, fast forward, and I see the white nationalists and black people like, why are you talking to the white nationalists? And I'm like, did you have that same energy for Malcolm X? Did you have that same energy for Marcus Garvey? Or do you not understand how men operate? Mm. Because men said that, I remember when we talk about feudalism, before kings fought, they'd come and they'd talk, they'd drink, have dinner, right? Yeah. And say, tomorrow... I take your head off. That's how men operated. So I'm used to operating from a place of masculinity and not femininity. Femininity goes, oh my God, look at those racist white people. I'm so scared. And I'm like, masculinity is like, look at these dudes who have an ideology, which I may not agree with, but let me understand this more and see where we can find common ground. And I found out that there was a lot of common ground. I also found out that I had more in alignment with so-called white nationalists than I do a white liberal. I also found out that the white liberal has more political and cultural power than the so-called white nationalists. I always say, a white, li- a, a white, a white nationalist, or or even let's call a white supremacist, a white supremacist can hurt your feelings. He might even be able to hurt you physically. Right. But the white liberal can hurt your pockets. They can destroy your community from the inside generationally. Yeah. A white supremacist, yeah, they might kill one of us. They might kill a couple of us. But a white liberal will march millions of us into a Planned Parenthood and cause generational genocides. You're talking about clipping a few of us off, which is insidious, Mm -hmm. but the white liberals are duplicitous. They are underhanded. And what they do is they chop you at the root. The white nationalists might chop off one of your branches, but those could grow back. But when you chop something at the root, you destroy the whole tree. And that's the difference between the power between the white liberal and the white supremacist. What I always say is the white liberal is the true white supremacist. Facts, yep. You see, in order to have white supremacy, you need to have power. White nationalists have no power. That's their that's what they're complaining about. The fact that they lost or, or or don't have any power. Yeah. And it's the white liberal that has all the power. The white socialist that has all the power. Go look at the New Deal. When you go look at the New Deal, you want to talk numerology. Um Let's get into it. Uh, Woodrow, not Woodrow Wilson, FDR and Hitler come into power in the same year, 1933. In fact, the same month, 1933. They come into power. Year of the Ox, I believe? I'm not sure. It might be. So them two come into power same time. Not only that, there's connections between FDR. He was educated in Germany.
0: <laughs> really?
1: <laughs> he spoke German. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. Is, there's a whole link between Wall Street through corporations like IG Farben, General Electric, so on and so forth, Standard Oil, and the Nazi Party. In fact, the whole Nazi Party was financed by Wall Street. Another story for another day. <laughs> Go do your Googles. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> or your goes, because Google going to hide it. So FDR, well, Hitler is National Socialism. Well, FDR brings about the New Deal, which is almost a mirror of national socialism as purported by um, Hitler. Also, around the same time, you have, well, right prior to, you had the Bolshevism revolution, which is communism and socialism. All three of these things are financed by Wall Street. The New Deal is destruction of all of America. This is like more of the be- beginnings of destroying America. Obviously it starts in 1913, but 1933 was a real big deal with the new deal, so on and so forth, and the socialist policies. I'm going to be doing a lot of research on that in the future. Um have not gotten a chance to dive into it yet, because I'm still looking at the ties between some other things in my new book coming out soon. Mm. Um, and then we'll be moving on. My next book will be on socialism and communism and exposing that whole thing. That's going to be wild and crazy. Hell yeah. Um, but this book is dealing with um, the conspiracy of money and the conspiracy of war, which is why we got to look at Hitler in World war I and World War One and World War Two. So there's going to be a lot of hidden facts in there about that. But again, Democrats, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Joe Biden falling three times going up the stairs. Um, I, I, bro, I, I ta- I've tapped out of politics. Um, I am not gonna lie. I did think you know there was gonna be an overturn and Trump was gonna get back in somehow, but once I saw they drag it out to like January or whatever, I was like, yeah, nah, I'm 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 done giving this my energy because I really it's like we know it's like with Trump we thought maybe it felt like the good there was a good person fighting for us right. I'm not saying he maybe couldn't have led us down a a, a certain path, but so right. far like gas never got as big as crazy as as it is now. So he, he did certain shit that, you know, I saw I, I peep game. He helped the HBCUs the jail reform shit, and people don't want to give him credit for that. Orange man bad, fine, I get it. But I still thought there was something in me that was like, you know what, Trump will, Trump will win and we'll be solid for the next four years. Everyone was talking well, about
1: ascending. Go ahead. Well, when we look at the whole jail reform thing, right, mm-hmm. the reason why I didn't want to give him credit is because that bill had already been on the table. All he really did was sign it. Right. So you can't give him credit for creating the bill, but you have to give him credit for signing the bill, because if you say he's racist, then he wouldn't have signed the bill. Right. So you got to kind of pick one. HBCUs, they said when they went to him for funding, he said, why y'all keep coming back every year? They said, you know, they make us come back. He's like, here's money. So you don't got to come back. Right. Like so the thing with here's the big thing with Trump. A lot of things happened that even conservatives complained about, Republicans complained about, that were part of the establishment. And I always said some of this stuff is above his pay grade, (laughs) right? And some things are in his control and some things just aren't. And I think he tries to have some say-so in the things he can control, like the border, right? And so on and so forth, right? The difference between Trump and Biden is Trump has a mind. He's going to be asking questions. Why are we doing this? I'm that He's going to be talking back. You see what I'm saying? Now, people might say he's part of the establishment. He is. It's just different. And me and my friend came up with this analogy. The analogy was Trump is like that, that little annoying brother that, you know, um, you know, you kinda like make fun of, you push him to the outside because he's a little quirky and weird. Yeah. And then he ends up becoming president of the United States and you're just like, damn, how little bro become president of the United States? Right? So now he's got his power. And now because he's got his power and you've ostracized him his whole life for being young and weird, he's like, eh, 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 right? And so that's the attitude he has in there, like, yo, I got a position of power. I'm gonna talk my shit. I'm gonna do what I want, right? Mm-hmm. And there's only so much y'all gonna make me do. But with Biden in there they're just passing his bills, and he's just like, okay, okay. He's he's has handlers, right? So this is perfect for the establishment because they don't have somebody sitting in a seat that's going to even question anything and say what's in this or why are we doing this? With Trump, we brought troops home, we checked to try to check the border, the price. prices, economy, jobs coming back domestic, the uh peace with with North Korea. Uh, he's he checked China. He, when he checked China, China's um, stock market crashed like overnight. So he's the first president to really go and check China. Like who was gonna have the balls to do that? How Biden you, in office. How do you
0: feel about him always uh, referencing like save the, the children shit? You know, everyone the the people always thought he was gonna save the children.
1: What children?
0: Like you know, just the whole a lot of. He always did talk. He had those tweets about the pedophilia and the perverts and shit like that. Do you ever think he was trying to do something about the sex trafficking and shit?
1: Yeah, hold on, hold on, one second, hold on. Okay. So in order to talk about this, <laughs> you gotta talk about the ignorance left. And it's gonna go back to the Trump debate versus Biden. Um in that in that debate, they were talking about the border, and Trump used the term coyote. Now, coyote is basically um, someone who smuggles people, Correct. contraband, etc. Twitter the next day were like, "What is he talking about coyotes?" and they were posting the animal. This is how ignorant they are that they don't know about the sex trafficking trade and the people trafficking trade. So they didn't understand this. So we were like, "Yo, like y'all don't even know what a coyote is." So when you talk about what he was doing for children, you got to remember that the easiest way to get away with trafficking people is to have them undocumented. Right. What do we know about the people coming across the border? What do they always say? They're undocumented. And what do they say? There's kids in cages. So yeah. what we're talking about is undocumented children coming across the border. So these are the people most likely to end up in some sort of trafficking. Correct. They are being trafficked, that's why they're here. People are trafficking them in. Undocumented, once again. So when you say, what was he doing against the children? That border, which is now a crisis. Right. Was one of those things to stop that. Right. So when people build the wall, they're saying he's being xenophobic, and I'm saying, no, you have no sympathy for child sex trafficking rings and sex trafficking of women and children. This is what's happening. If you build that wall, you destroy that industry somewhat. Right. They have to find some other way to, so on so forth. So yeah, he was fighting that, and it was just like build the wall. Oh, it's racist. I'm like, so you want people to get trafficked? That's what you want because these people aren't. Co- some of these people aren't coming across just because. You know they want to. No, they're being dragged across. Right. They strapping, you know, cocaine to their back and like, yo, go deliver this package. Or you, you're going across. Or, or here, take this child with you. This is what's happening. But you know, if you listen to the media, you gonna believe, you know, whatever they tell what you. What did and what did Denzel Washington say about the media? He said, "If you don't watch the news, you'll be uninformed." If you do watch the the news, you'll be misinformed.
0: You have to know how to decipher it. Because sometimes yeah. the truth is always really like there, you know, they just kind of remix it a certain way to sway the narrative. Well, look at way. how
1: they look at how they cover the protests. Dude is on CNN talking about, oh, mostly peaceful protests with a big ass fire building on fire behind them. <laughs> so the truth is right there. But the words on the screen going to say another and everything just
0: seemed like a sigh man. Everything. The Capitol building Absolutely. stuff. So, um, so where where do you think we going? Obviously, in your opinion, where are we going, man? The, the gun China. Come, come, yeah? <laughs> How do I say? It?
1: China. That's where we're going. <sighs> remember, Remember I told you that the New Deal brings in more socialism?
2: Yeah.
1: In fact, here's the big problem. You have a lot of these socialists and communists leftists, liberals, whatever they want to call themselves, progressives. These weirdos want to blame capitalism for everything. They want to say that America is a capitalist nation. America is not a capitalist nation. America is a socialist nation on its way to becoming communist. First, let's define what this is because a lot of people are going to tell you that Socialism is when you control, when the people control uh, the means of their labor. No, that's capitalism, when you control the means of your labor. (laughs) Facts, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in order to understand communism, we first got to go to Karl Marx, and we can pull up his 10 planks of communism. And in there, you'll see twice, you'll see the word, maybe even three times, you'll see the word centralization. So succinctly, my definition of communism and socialism is, Centralization of power in the hands of the state. That's exactly what it means. Centralization of power. Well, what was the Bill of Rights? The Bill of Rights was taking all these 13 colonies and putting them under one head. That's centralization. is the beginning of socialism and communism coming in. And then um, later on, you get the central banks. Well, what was one of the 10 planks? One of the 10 planks was having a central bank. Lenin, what did Lenin say? Ninety percent of socialism is ninety percent of communism is having a central bank. <laughs> what does the United States have? They have a central banking system. <laughs> and everyone that doesn't is going through it. <laughs> See, capitalism doesn't do that. Capitalism decentralizes everything. It allows free trade. In fact, the the term capitalism has been poisoned. See, capitalism. Root word is capital. The derivation in Latin is capitale. Capitale means land or resources. Mm. So capital is sometimes synonymous with money. Money ain't land or resources. Today, I mean you can probably misnomer as resources, but when we think resources, we think something that actually has some usable value, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a fiat currency, right? Yep. So, um, so, so capitalism is, is poison because capitalism doesn't appear until the socialists create this term called capitalism. And it's in, um, Karl Marx's book. Das Kapita. And that's where he, they get to frame what capitalism is. So sometimes I don't even use that word. I just use the term free market. Mm. And in order to do that, you got to go study people like Milton Friedman, um, Mises Institute, uh, Rothbard, uh, Bastiat, Sol, uh, Walter E. Williams. You know, these are people you gotta go study to really understand free market versus socialism and capitalism. And until you look at both sides of the arguments objectively, I even had my daughter sit down and watch a debate between Walter Williams and some white and some black liberals from the 70s. And she was like, those other dudes are assholes. This guy, Walter E. Williams. And I didn't frame it prior to I let her just sit down and watch it right. and, and then I asked her opinion to see which side would she pick And she picked Walter E. Williams side she's like he just makes more sense and if you look at it from an honest point of view you know, free market capitalism makes more sense um, Hong Kong was doing well you know but we, the best way I like to talk to black people about communism is I say what happens if uh, Shaniqua does hair out of her house you know what happens if she does hair out of her house Do you know?
0: Uh she don't have, just I don't, I don't know.
1: She uh might go to jail. She might get a fine. You're not allowed to do hair out of your house. You need a license and you need to do that in a commercial building. Yo. Right? Is
0: that well, have you, for
1: her? If you have you, you ever heard of a ghost kitchen? I'm sorry, what? A ghost kitchen.
0: A ghost kitchen? Yeah. I have it, no.
1: So Ghost Kitchen is basically where you set up a, a, a restaurant, but there's no physical building. You just rent out a commercial kitchen, cook food and deliver it like Uber, like Uber Eats. Okay. So they order it through electronic thing and you just deliver the food. There's no restaurant to come into or pick up like fast foods. They call it a ghost kitchen. Okay. You can't do a ghost kitchen out of your house because there are rules and regulations. Mm. That's what communism and socialism does. In order to protect the whole, you have to destroy the individual rights. So Shaniqua, if she was, uh, you know, for example, um, doing hair out of her house and they found out she could be fined, you have to do it out of a commercial building. Wow. That's socialism and communism. Creating barriers. The uh, even, with the, even to do hair, what do they say? Oh, you need a license. Yeah. Then when you take the test for the license, it shouldn't got nothing to do with doing hair. It's right. about all these regulations and things, and yeah, a whole bunch of it's all about you know understanding the regulations. There so to do black hair, you got to ask a white man's permission. That's that's socialism and communism, the encroachment and centralization of power to tell you what you can and cannot do as an individual. Capitalism would say, yo, you can do whatever you want, y'all. Yo. You make right. money, cool, do it. And it evens the playing field. You see, what happens is the financial elite become involved in politics and in order to destroy competition, they use government. And government creates regulations. Right. For example, when we talk about accredited versus unaccredited investors, and I talked about this on my last podcast with Funda Fox, unaccredited investors um, for example, they say you need to have two hundred thousand dollars two years in a row um, recurring uh, profit, right? Or you got to be worth a million dollars. Your net total net worth has to be a million dollars two years in a row. How many people are like that? None. So you can't. You're not allowed to invest in a startup unless you meet those credentials to become an accredited investor. But you can go buy lottery tickets right, Yeah. so they say they're doing this to protect you from risky investments but go ahead and blow your money on drugs and alcohol or on alcohol and um and lottery tickets and, and gambling right go blow your money on that but like this real investment let's say you know you in the hood and you got a startup i couldn't take fifty thousand dollars and invest in you right, yeah. right? But now they've changed the regulations over the few years. And now the cap is 5 million for startups. It used to be a million. But now the cap is 5 million. But who says there has to be a cap on this stuff? Right, yeah. Right? And there's a certain percentage to accredited versus unaccredited investors that have to be in the pool. And don't get me to lie. You can talk to the attorneys about this. I interviewed them on on the Thunder Fox uh, interview. Right, yeah. But it's these regulations that say, damn, the vehicle to extreme wealth is investing in companies. Like That's how you 10x your capital. That's how you 100x your capital, mm. is by investing in companies. But those barriers are set up to say, yo, you can't do it, but you go buy a lottery ticket. That's communism. So what did the financial elite do is they use government, lobby government, to create barriers to so the competition. You can't come up. But that's communism. It's the same thing that um, Karl Marx. Karl Marx hated the middle class. But the middle class is actually more likely to become the upper class but that's the upper class's competition is the middle class cuz yeah. they got that money to invest i
0: never looked at it like that that's interesting yeah Oh, man that's a lot of information but
1: i know i threw a lot on you
0: no it's, But we see it happen i mean i see it happen i see the way we're going i see i hear you i hear you people like you talk i hear other people speak as well you know even gary when he gets his you know his communist tweet, tweets off and we mm-hmm. we we seeing it. We seeing this unfold. Like even with the Asian propaganda hate, you know, yep. is it because you know the CCP is taking over that we can't talk shit about Asians no more? They're trying to anti-Semitic. The same kind of situation, or correct? It's just, I mean, I that's, see that's, it. But
1: that's what it is. Yeah, huh. you just nailed. it. So then we
0: can't say shit about Asians.
1: You have the encroachment of China in in the world power sphere. Uh, Democrats are are wholly, um, they're in um, their pocket. And in order to curb criticism, you have to create this movement of Asian Lives Matter and anything, any critical thought about China or Chinese people would be demonized. And you'll be demonized. See, the, 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 the establishment, what they realized is It's one thing to have the establishment demonize you. It's a whole nother thing to have your friends and family demonize you. Right. We always talk about that. You're taught this at a young age The term peer pressure. Right. It's peer pressure that controls us. So now your peers are looking at you like, what would you say about China? Do you hate Asian people? It's like, wait, what? I'm talking about the CCP here. Like, this has nothing to do with, you know, uh, uh, ethnic, racial, you know, uh, racism or anything like that. But then when we look at when the Asian community comes into the black neighborhoods, they don't hire us. They take from our communities. They don't invest in our communities. Right? I remember one time um, there was a discrepancy in in one of these nail shops and the man was kicking kicking black women, beating them up. They had to boycott the little hair shop. So they come in and they sell our products. I remember one black girl I believe it was California she opened up a shop and had to close down months later they asked her why do you have to close down she said a much of the products come through Asian distribution channels Chinese distribution channels and they wouldn't sell to us that's how you destroy competition right. so 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 now you have some black people are randomly not 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 i don't think it's even as big as they say it is but it's happening you see even in brooklyn with black and jewish people where jewish people might get attacked by black people or black people might attack asian people i don't agree with that i don't agree with violence but what i do know is when you corner a doggy attacks these people feel oppressed So when you come into the neighborhood and you're riding around in a Mercedes Benz off of the poor people's egg roll money and you don't give back and they walk in and you catch an attitude, there's going to be some animosity amongst the people, right? And a lot of it is our fault. We shouldn't be supporting these establishments. But the other day I saw them say, you know, Asian lives matter. What are you doing to support them? Somebody's like, oh, I went to eat Chinese food today. like oh my god like what is going on here it's ridiculous you know but you know the 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 thing is like there's so much nuance to the conversation and and that's what they want to destroy is right. the details of it all right so if i say if i say something about for example the problem between the hasidic community and the black community in brooklyn And sometimes black people are attacking people. I had my Jewish friend come on my channel and tell me that when when she was younger and she walked through the Hasidic community, they would spit on her. And this is a Jewish woman because she was a Jewish woman not following their way of life. So if this these people are treating other Jewish people like this, imagine how they treat black people. When we talk about gentrification, when we talk about controlling whole city blocks, there is some animi- animosity that'll be built up. But if you talk about this, you're anti-Semitic. And it's like, no. One of my first girlfriends, and I hate to use this, you know, oh, mom, I got a black friend. <laughs> One of my first girlfriends was Jewish, right? Like. I love Jewish women. I, you know, there's a lot of hot Jewish women. Facts. You know what I mean? Facts. But I have a I have a lot of Jewish friends. Gary Gary, um, the numbers guy, mm-hmm. Jewish. My co host, Jewish. My libertarian homie, Adam Smith, Jewish. I know a lot of Jewish people. I look up to Jewish people. Murray Rothbard, he's a Jew. A lot of great Jews that contributed to to society. So I don't I don't deal in anti Semitism. I don't I don't I don't believe in that but I can criticize all groups of people now here's the funny part when I criticize one community it says one thing but when I go on Joe Rogan and I question the validity of slavery nobody says I'm being anti-black Mm-mm. right <laughs> yeah. but if I ask questions about other events in history I could be labeled uh, some some sort of misnomer. This is the dynamic of power. But the thing is, they have to destroy nuance because with nuance, uh, the truth rises to the top.
0: I feel like we create we just keep creating the reality they want to see, man, and that's that's the unfortunate part. You know, we, we yes. obviously see something on a screen and we're quick to move towards that emotion, move that emotion towards, you know, the way they want to the way they want to harvest it. And it's just unfortunate, man. That's why I, I tapped out. And it's, and it's unfor- and I, sometimes I tell myself I'm doing a just a, a disservice to maybe my platform or just because I initially started trying to share information and, and trying to de- debunk the things that are going on. But now I don't even keep up because I, every time I do keep up, I get mad. I get frustrated. Nothing's changing. Like, why am I keep seeing the same thing? Like, I know it's a psyop. Like, so why am I engaging in this? And so I just been so tapped out. But obviously, you get on Twitter, you see a retweet, you see people, oh, Asia, stop Asian hate. Like, when the fuck does this become a thing? I think yeah. Sir Hotest J. I think said, uh you got Asian people telling telling non-Asian people to hate people that don't even hate Asian, something like that." And I started dying because yeah. it was true. Like, where does all this shit come from? You got artists, celebrities saying stop Asian hate. Like, what am I missing? It's-
1: it's it's a griff now. It's the new griff. You know, and it's it's also virtue signaling. Damn, you know, weird. if I and it and it's also again, so it's like that trifecta. It's grifting, it's um what was the other one I said? Um but the last one was peer pressure. Right? Peer pressure. Oh oh virtue signaling, right? Yeah. So it's grifting, virtue signaling, okay. and then the last one is peer pressure. So, for example, I have a friend who has a, um, has a shop, right? And um, he's working all the time on this shop and some other projects, so on and so forth. So, he doesn't have time to be on social media. He doesn't watch the news. And the whole Black Lives Matter Black Box Day comes up. You know, you got to post a black box for your solidarity. So, he goes on, he updates his, his uh, Facebook page, you know, with an update about his shop. And people are like, Do you hate black people? Blah, 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 blah. Why haven't you posted the box? So he calls me up. He's like, bro, what's this box? <laughs> oh my. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, people are telling me I need to post a black box on my page. So I start cracking up <laughs> laughing. I'm like, what happened? He's like, yo, I posted a, a sale on my page today, an update about you know my shop. And people are telling me I'm racist because I didn't post a black box. I was like, wow, we, has it come to that? I'm like, you're not even allowed to just...
0: Be Ignore in your it. own yeah. bubble. Yes,
1: yeah, bro. And and that. and and you're labeled something by not participating in the agenda. So that's where the peer pressure comes in, right? So it's just like, I don't want to be labeled a racist. Let me post this black box. Mm. So you're peer pressured into pushing the agenda. So Asian Lives Matter pops up now. So one celebrity sees one say Asian lives matter. Well, he like, I don't want to lose favor. I don't want to get less tickets sold. I don't want to be labeled as somebody that hates Asians. Let me show solidarity with the movement. So it's virtue signaling, grifting and peer pressure. So that's why it's like sometimes you got to read people to know which one is it. Is it a combination of all three? Is it two of three? It's one of. But that's why sometimes people come down on celebrities and I'm like, you can't always come down on them because they might be in that peer pressure lane. Yeah. Also, it's ignorance. Mm-hmm. You gotta remember, when you're a celebrity, you're just like my guy with the shop. You're not watching the news. You 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 going from this interview to that interview da 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 da, and you don't really have time to keep up with the current events. Mm. So when something pops up, and you're not somebody like me who studies history for a living, you don't know nothing, or you know it's music. So when it pops up, you're like, oh, this is sad. Here. I'm down. Asian lives matter, or Black lives matter, because you're ignorant. Not in a in a in a in, not in a sense of where you won't educate yourself because you don't have the time to educate yourself. I
0: was uh, listening. So to, you
1: fall into the trap.
0: I was listening to the to Joe Budden podcast, right? And he started he he started talking about this the Asian hate thing, and he goes, you know, all my friends are posting it, but like, yeah, fuck yeah, I agree. You know, Asian lives matter. I agree. But I don't know why I'm agreeing. <laughs> and I'm just like.
1: <laughs> that's it. That's the ignorance. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, man. That's 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 exactly what I'm talking about. Right? The this and Joe Button is somebody who's got a crazy busy, busy schedule, I'm sure. So he, you know. He doesn't, he's not looking into historical fact. He don't know nothing about the CCP and the UGARs and the concentration camps in China and all of that.
0: Do, do you really think so, though? Sometimes I feel like they do know what's going on. They just, like I said, they just stay quiet because that's not going to get them the bag. It's going to de-platform them.
1: That's think- why I say you got you to gotta take a look. Which one is it? Is it all three, two of three, or one of three? Okay, right? yeah. Right? Is it peer pressure? Good. Is it grifting? Is it virtue signaling? Because it might be all three. They might be like, yo, the peer pressure hitting. I don't want to look bad. Let me virtue signal. And you know what? While I'm doing this shit, I might be able to get a bag. So it's like you kind of got to read the person to know which one is it or what combination is it. Man. Which, Which is hard to fault them. That's why I say I don't look at them. I look at me. And I carry my way, my life a certain way. I carry my life in a certain way where I'm so independent, I don't have to go along with the agenda because they can't cancel me. Right. How are you going to cancel me from the from my own corporations? All right? I don't have sponsorship deals. I don't have endorsement deals. So you can't cancel my money. You can't cancel me from my own website. I get I get paid directly from the consumer to myself. Facts. I get paid in Bitcoin. I get paid in cryptocurrency. And you donations, can't, donations. Word, <laughs> right? Like, you can't cut me off. Yeah. Yeah. But these other people, they got bills, they got family to take care of, they got investments, they got things to think about. So they're afraid to get canceled because they don't know how to create income independently and have not done so yet.
0: That's a good perspective. you think we'll ever see you on one of them one of them platforms? A hip hop, a hip hop platform? I hope. I, man you on a button podcast would be fired? You want shit, go fuck up Nori's podcast.
1: <laughs> I wanna do Nori's podcast. Yeah. I really wanna do Nori's podcast. I really wanna do that. I wanna do Breakfast Club.
2: Yeah.
1: Ebro Ebro at Hot Ninety Seven told me I'm not allowed up at Hot Ninety Seven. Wow. That's why everyone hate Ebro. I remember one time I had um a friend reach out to me associate that I knew from back in the 50 cent days. And he wanted to talk to me because he knew I was talking that that Trump talk. Um But he recorded his stuff inside the hot 97 building. I was on my way to the hot 97 building. I was just picking up my son from the um, knee doctor, taking him home. And then I tweeted, I said, "Yo, I'm on my way to the hot 97 building. Five minutes later, Ebro follows me on Twitter. Five minutes later, I got wow. a phone call. Bro said, hey, yo, um, we got to reschedule the podcast. As I'm on my way to hot, and I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. That podcast never got rescheduled. Never heard from him again. And I asked Ebro. I said, "Yo, cause he Ebro used to complain about my tweets. Like he tried to like he would try to come at me, mm-hmm. but my my sarcasm is just too too witty. So by the time I got done with him, his mentions would be full and people would be laughing at yeah. him." So he 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 fig he found out he can't do battle with me on Twitter because I win every time. Cause his own followers don't mess with him like that, right? Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Right. So and my followers really really dig me. So you know he would try it and he he'd get roasted. So I asked him one day. I said, my response was like, yo, won't you bring me up the hot? Let's have that conversation. He said, yo, you're not allowed at hot. I said, wow. So you ask me, would I ever be on these hip-hop stations? I would love to. I just feel like they're afraid of me.
2: 100%.
1: I I would love to do Gilly the Kid's podcast. I love Gilly the Kid. I love his perspective on life. Mm -hmm. Things are very intelligent, dude. Yeah. I I feel like he's a very masculine individual, which is what we need today as well, with the feminization of the black male and feminization of all males, really. Um, (laughs) But I would love to do one of these hip-hop podcasts. I did the biggest podcast in the world, though. Sure I did, did the biggest podcast in the world, and I did the biggest Bitcoin podcast in the world. So for me, technically going to do a hip hop podcast will be going down to to the people based upon numbers. Right. For me, I feel like it's just a whole nother lane. But you would want more of the demographic
0: in the hip hop community to be listening to you, right? 'Cause the Joe Rogans and them, that's a that's a different crowd,
1: right? I um I don't know. When it comes to the black community. I don't know. I, I this is this is something I've struggled with. Because you gotta remember when it's Ali Shakur, that was my target demographic. My rhetoric today is not for that demographic. I don't talk to black people. I talk to white America. Specifically conservative and libertarian white America. Um, because I feel that. They're closer to where I am. Ideologically. Intellectually. Um, not not as, as much knowledgeable. I feel that. Me talking to black people, I just don't know. I, I, and I think it's because I haven't been on these hip-hop <laughs> podcasts, right? So I don't know how they'll take me. Like, look at the, the look at the information we covered today. Would I be so over people's heads? But you have would a, a skill, though, would,
0: of saying it in a manner where you don't have to say it all intellectual so people can understand it, you know? You can say it dumbed down. I don't
1: do that, though. Okay. How I said it to you today is how I'm going to say it anywhere. Okay. I don't think you got to dumb it down for the black community. True. They all understand you. You don't got to dumb it down for them. When you speak, they gonna, whatever, whatever. I just, um... I just don't know if it'll be too much. Okay. Because sometimes what happens is when you go too deep, you don't get people at all. Right. Right? I'm talking about FDR, New Deal, communism, capitalism, Capitale, and <laughs> all these different, you know. Yeah. I do, think, I do think it could spark a lot of minds and give them a place to start research. But I think that if I was to target the black community... I would have to uh, focus on one thing, one area and like just speak about a certain topic and sort of break that down and focus on that. I'm too all over the place. I know too much. Yeah. And I would need somebody like Nori to keep me focused on, you know, one thing. The other thing is we tend to tune people out when they say certain things. Right? Like, if I say, yo, if you ask me a question, like, or if you saw the picture of me with a MAGA hat on, they'd be like, I ain't fucking with him. Mm. So everything that comes out of my mouth will be invalidated.
0: <laughs> that shows <shit> comedy. <laughs> hey. Oh, you're breaking up. yo yo yo
1: yo you can hear me yeah yeah so um when i first made that target demographic switch because i was like i don't think black people get in me because i'm trying to warn them about the black lives matter thing and they calling me a coon and a sellout and i'm just like nah i'm trying to help y'all you know so i'm like nah y'all not ready for the message you know um so I don't know. I, I so you know when I switched to the to the to the different demographic, you know, um, they got me. Mm. And I re I think the reason why I liked it was because it was a symbiotic relationship. Because not only was I educating my audience, my my audience was educate educating me. You know, if I'm talking to a predominantly black community, they're not going to tell me about Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Mm.
2: They're
1: not going to tell me about Rothbard and Bastiat, right? they're not going to tell me that they might say basquiat but not Bastiat. see when I say so if I say bastiat, they're going to think I'm talking about the artist that Jay-Z talking about I'm not talking about him I'm talking about Frederick Bastiat
2: okay
1: who's talking about free market capitalism you know what I mean um, but again we've been so programmed so when I, I use certain words like capitalism, they might tune me out you know and plus like you said, you got people like Karen Civil who was working with Hillary Clinton.
0: They have a hold the of the culture. Th- huh? They, and they have a hold of the culture, too. You know, they're a big voice in the within the community.
1: Yeah, and I feel like our community, they got such a whole hold on them. It's just like, where do I even start at? Yeah. To even break down. I remember when I first made that switch, I lost a lot of my followers. I lost a lot of my YouTube subscribers. I got fifty thousand on my account. At least twenty thousand are dead accounts, right? Right. Because people like I'm just not tuning in to him no more because I don't like his rhetoric. Because I've been brainwashed into being a a hate Trump guy and anything attached to Trump I hate, right? So when I made that switch, a lot of people didn't get it. But after they see me on Rogan, they got. Yeah. I'm I'm playing chess. I see you. You know, I, I'm I'm playing chess with life, and 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 what chess is, you gotta think several moves ahead. Sometimes you gotta sacrifice the queen to win the game. Whoa! It's called queen sacrifice. Sometimes you gotta sacrifice a pawn. Sometimes you gotta sacrifice. Sometimes you gotta sacrifice something. I've sacrificed. In order to rise, I had to sacrifice. Speaking to black people. That was my sacrifice. Look, I love y'all, but I can't talk to y'all right now because y'all don't get me. I got to go over here and I got to talk to these people because talking to these people is going to be what's better for me. And when I rise, I can come back and I can help y'all. Because had I stayed in that lane, I wouldn't be on Rogan. Mm. People like Lupe Fiasco wouldn't have said, yo, I saw you on Rogan. I wouldn't have some of the rappers that follow me, follow me. I wouldn't have some of the NFL players that follow me, follow me if it wasn't for that. But in order to do that, I had to play on the chessboard and say, yo, I'm gonna change my message. Because when you're in the black community, if you're in like black Twitter, there's basically a cap to how many followers you can have, there's a cap to your reach. There's a whole world out here we can speak to. And there's a whole lot of white folks that want to help black communities. Right? Like, this banner behind me, a white man bought that for me. Like, he invests in Hotap tap Nation because he just really cares. And he grew up on hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? So, when I opened up my message, I reached a wider audience and that was better for me and my platform. Sometimes you got to think about yourself to rise in this world. If I'm still talking to black people with the same rhetoric, all I'm going to get back is, you a cool, you a sellout, right? Yeah. With the same exact message, remove Trump. Yeah. And I'm still called that. Like, if, like for example, the whole Mike Brown thing. Like, I got called Hotep because I was telling people, let's invest in black business. Now, we fast forward, and that's mainstream now. But when I said this five, six years ago, I was a cone and I was a hotep for saying that was the solution. Yeah. For them, the solution was, let's complain about white people. Let's go protest. And I'm like, y'all could protest, but when you protest, make the call to action, invest in black business. But they're like, oh, that's capitalism. Even the founder of Black Lives Matter said, I think her name is Patrice, she said she was a trained Marxist. Yeah,
0: I've seen that.
1: Right? This is what I'm up against: a multi-billion dollar movement that's Marxist and socialist. Against me, just this regular guy. Right. So I'm like, I can't win in this lane. I gotta switch lanes. When I did that, a lot of my followers was like, What happened to Ali Shakur? We lost a soldier. My homie Demick got it. Yeah. My homie Demick got it. He was like. He was like um, he didn't abandon y'all, y'all lost him. Y'all lost um Hotep Jesus. You know, like it was that old oh, um, what's that, what's that phrase from the Marvel movie? Something, something, you know, live long enough to see yourself turn into a villain. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. It's just like I became a villain to my own people. But y'all made me this way because y'all lambasted me for my ideas. Which you, five years later, adopted. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's like, I'm going to come back when y'all ready for the message. And that's why I said, when you when you say to me, you know what, I go on a hip-hop po- podcast, I'm like, I think the timing got to be right. And I think the topic got to be right. And I think the host got to be right. But no matter who invited me on, I'd go. Right. I mean, I, I don't know how I do breakfast. I don't know how I do Rogan and Breakfast Club hasn't hollered at me. Well, I do know because I cursed out Envy back in the day. So I know that's I'm, that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, Envy, me and Envy um, don't don't really job too well.
0: And uh, Rogan reached out because of the, the, what you're doing, the tech side, or was it because of the Starbucks viral video?
1: Uh, none of that. His no. friend reached out and said, yo, this dude is very interesting. Have him on.
0: Oh, whoa. Oh. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Yeah, I did see when the uh, well, I went back. After I like, found out about you, I went back and started looking at your old interviews. And I was like, yo, Rogan, what the fuck? I was like, let me go see this. Dope. And, then, and
1: then, you know, so everybody was trying to say I was a sellout. But when you get to that last hour of the Rogan interview, black people came back around. They was like, yo, you made us proud, dog. <laughs> you made us proud. And I'm like, I've never lost that. I just stopped talking about it. Yeah. But I had, that ideology. That's what I was teaching y'all when I was Ali Shakur and y'all was like, oh, he bugging. Like, if I tell black people we was the natives, they gonna tell me I'm bugging. Right. So I'm like, yo, whose side is you want? You want black people or you want somebody else's side? Right. Because they had something called the Doll's Roll. And the Doll's Roll was where you get the turn $5 Indian from. And white men were paying $5 to get their name on a Doll's Roll just to be considered Indian. So it was pay to play. So when reparations came down for natives, a lot of white folks got paid. When you got the natives going back to the antiquity of America, white man's America, Mm -hmm. the white man was defecting to go live with the natives. The people in power were going to catch white folks and bringing them back and making them POWs. Like, nah, you got to be enslaved because you just you a traitor, right? But they were like, yo, they living good. Y'all over here starving. Go look at cannibalism in in, in colonial America in Virginia. It was starving, starving to the point where they had to eat each eat each other. But the natives, clear example. Go look at um, King Kamehameha out of the kingdom of. Um, 19th century kingdom of uh, Hawaii. Tell me that's not a black man. So we made it to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. We made it to the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. Brazil has the second largest population of black people next to Africa. But this continent of North America we wasn't at? (laughs) We just said, oh, skip North America. I don't like Florida.
0: Speaking of Florida, man, it's lit out there right now, shit. (laughs) Yeah, I was just out there. I love it. I know my parents live out there. I'd be out there pretty often, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love Florida. Miami's my my baby, man.
0: What do you think? You think they're trying to push a certain agenda, use Miami and Florida for a certain agenda? You know, do you think? Because they issued a state of emergency. They put the curfew back in, but supposedly they were opened up.
1: When you go to Miami, Miami's open. Okay right the thing is spring break is a is a yearly thing with black folks memorial day weekend we down there (laughs) right what it is is a lot of conflict of interest on one side they saying it's open on another side they saying well if this gets out to the large media these people aren't social distancing now, when you looked at them South Beach, right, you looked at um, Ocean Ave. Ocean Ave was flooded. I see. But it's, right? It was probably double flooded because everybody been on lockdown for so long. True. So, uh, so the population is probably doubled in what it what usually is. Because I've seen Miami crowded like that, but not – I've seen Miami crowded, but not like that. So, obviously, videos is going viral, so they got to save face. Yo, yo, somebody install a curfew. We can't have this get out that they're out here chilling because then other people are going to start asking questions. Wait, if the thing is so deadly, how are all these people out here? No mask, right? And they're also trying to push the um, needle on us, Mm. right? That's Mm. the big agenda. Get the needle. Get them to take the needle. Right. Black people are mostly, are, are affected uh, disproportionately, you know, by the so-called virus, right? But then you go look at Miami and nobody got a mask on. Mm. My homie, he real connected to the hood. I spoke to him last week and I asked him, I said, yo, the hood believing in this stuff? He like, nope. Mm. I'm, like, I'm like, I ain't think so. Because I've always said the hood is hotel. They question everything. Yeah, They don't believe nothing, right? And I said, do they be wearing masks? He like, yeah, they wear masks, but it's more of a fashion statement. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, ah, I can see that. You know, like, yo, my mask match my (laughs) kit. You know what (laughs) I mean? And he like, like, you'll see cats five deep in the car, no mask on. You'll see cats run into the car, grab their mask because they forgot to put it on and run in the store. Or asking somebody, let me borrow your mask real quick. I just got to run in the store. But they not really with that whole thing. So when the media pushes this whole thing about black people having to social distance, get the needle and wear their mask, and then you see viral videos of a bunch of black people not social distancing and not wearing masks, it destroys the narrative. The narrative, yeah. Because then they're like, man, people got questions like, why are they not wearing their mask? Maybe it's because they don't believe or they're not even scared of it. Because yeah. if you believed it, you would be afraid. Yeah. But since you're not afraid, you don't believe it. You're not taking it serious. So it destroys the narrative. So they're like, look, we got to cut this out. Drop the curfew.
0: I be, I feel like I'm insensitive sometimes because COVID don't exist in my, in my world, bro.
1: <laughs> COVID... Is a trademark term. Mm. It's it exists. The the uh the term COVID is basically uh a, a form of a coronavirus.
2: Right.
1: Now if you ask uh Dr. Simon Gold, she'll tell you that when you diagnose your patients prior to stupid nineteen, um cold would be labeled as a coronavirus. And they had treatment for that. And she was using certain treatments even when the stupid 19 hit. So it's real. But according to CDC's own data, you know, if you're under the age of 50, it's like 99.85% or something like that survival rate. Yeah. So it's real. It's the 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 idea that it's a pandemic is what's not real.
0: Virus is real. Pandemic is fake. Boom. I agree. Look
1: man. at when she when she. Um, who was it that? No, no, it wasn't her. It was another lady that pulled up data on heart attacks and flu and matched it between 2019, prior years, and 2020. And she was measuring the data. And all of a sudden, heart attacks were down 2020, like for the first time ever. And right. she's like, that type of dip doesn't happen. And it's because certain, thi- certain causes of death were being labeled as stupid 19. And we can get into the whole thing about you know you got higher kickbacks if people were diagnosed. You know the hospital got kickbacks for having stupid nineteen, right? The government was. Right. So it's in your best interest if you're a doctor, you like, yo, label that dude stupid nineteen so I can get a little bonus in this in this hospital. We need a little bit of money, extra money in this hospital. If you're the CEO of the hospital, director or whatever. So there's that whole agenda. Then it's just like, what happened to the flu? Nobody got the flu no more. Flu was down. They start. See, I believe. Don't don't get me to quoting on this, but. I believe the CDC stopped reporting on flu last year. <laughs> Everything out. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was uh, again, this is just communism and socialism, right. uh, which is centralization of power. Just it's, seizing power and taking away your individual rights.
0: And usher in, I guess, the new ways?
1: Uh, the old ways. Hey. Like that? Like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the old ways. Yo, man. One last thing before we get out of here, man. Grifting. Grift. I know that words existed, but you guys really made it a thing. You and Uncle Hudson made grifting a thing. We got the Grifty Awards now. I thought it was so dope how you had Larry Johnson do the... Didn't know announce the thing because it, it made sense for that category because the sports category. Sports category yeah, yeah, so it was dumb. Like, oh, you you know what you're doing, bro. Like, and that's what I mean by you're still making it fun. You still know what you know, but let's have fun with these grifters and these people that don't know what the fuck. You know, these actors, these celebrities. Let's have fun with them. So I respect yeah. it, bro. Because getting going too much down the truther path and all that. I just I it guess it's overwhelming information, and it's like yeah. you said, you 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 try to um. I think we I think we we focus so much on learning from the past to prevent things from the future to prevent things from happening in the future again that we forget to live in the present and mm. you know how to uh, I think I feel like you 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 found a way to differentiate everything and balance everything out a, a right way so I respect I that found a,
1: I found found a, a safe way to tell the truth a safe and fun way to tell the truth There
0: you go There you go A safe
1: and fun way to expose what's happening out here There you go you know, um, because a lot of a lot of this is they want to destroy your vibration. They want to because even when you're down the truth truther path, right, it lowers your vibration. You get angry. Right. You hear about the Some of the things that happen, it makes you angry. And that's part of the agenda. They want you angry because then you start thinking illogically. Yeah. And you start saying stupid shit online and like ah, got gotcha. you. Delete your account. Right. So it's just like all right, Hotep's have a responsibility to the world, to all of humanity. And the first and foremost thing is to raise the vibration to a a, a frequency of happiness. How do I take the truth and make people laugh? How do I take the truth and make people smile? So I make people see it. That's why some people say they say, yo, we watch your show because you take all the tragedy in the world and turn it into one big joke. Yeah, you and Uncle Hota for sure do that. You know, and you don't feel angry after our show. You sit here laughing at the world burning down.
0: <laughs> you guys find it's the, it the best format for a podcast, man. This, involving the super chat and all that. It was just like, you guys, it, it was a great niche. Because that really is the gold right there, the super chats.
1: Yeah, how there's a lot of gold in them super chats, man. <laughs> and, you know, people get to participate in the telling the truth. And even how we redact certain terms and whatnot is part of the wokeness because yeah. you gotta ask yourself, why won't he speak about that? Yeah. Which intrigues the mind, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, I don't want to tell you what to think. I just want you to think.
0: That's what I pride my platform on, bro. I tell people don't believe what I'm saying, don't don't take anything to don't take anything what I'm saying. Go do your own research, go do your own due diligence. I'm just trying to show you guys a different way of thinking, a different we don't live in this reality that you think you live in. It's really an illusion yeah. and we gotta snap out of it. That's why it's Chris because it's entertainment, but it's still the conspiracy stuff. But I'm not too caught up in the conspiracy shit no more because it's just we don't know, man. We don't know.
1: We don't know what. So the, if we look is. at the if we look at the grifters, we grifting the grifters. <laughs> you are <laughs> grifties.com. We turned it into an award show. You know, it's some great viral content. Mm-hmm. Jason Whitlock said he loved it. It was amazing. Said he wants to be a part of it next year. Right, so we'll have Jason Whitlock presenting the award next year. Nice. Um, Yeah, so that like that's great. Um, but again, we've monetized the grifters. Right, we turn and we turned it into an app. So we're bringing people and showing people, yo, look, we're building software off of a societal event, yeah. societal events, and then we're letting people have fun too because they're coming in and they're nominating these people. Mm. So they're getting it off their chest. Look, oh, look at this one. I'm going to nominate for them grifties right now. So you get to vent and you get to release some of that frustration, then you get to watch how these people trend on the, on the app and whatnot, right? Yeah. So we're teaching people how to use tech and how to just manipulate. Like I said, we playing chess, man. And you can't be one of those people to just come online and complain. That's why I said the closest thing to black people is conservatives. Because when I look at them, I'm like, y'all just like the black community. Y'all don't really like build nothing. Y'all just complain about some shit. You know, the conservatives complain about the liberals. Black folks complain about white supremacy. Both of them don't know who the real enemy is. (laughs) Right? And then y'all mad at each other and y'all got more alike. Right? So I'm like, both of y'all is just real ignorant. Republicans, Democrats, everybody, everybody's just ignorant. Everybody's just stupid.
2: Right.
1: You know? So they got more more alike um, than they think. But again, it's just like, I don't complain. I analyze, strategize, then execute. Medicine through the candy, bro.
0: Absolutely. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Hotep. Brother Hotep, Brian Sharp. Uh, Website, what? BrianSharp.com, right? HotepJesus.com. HotepJesus.com. Even easier. I appreciate Even, you, bro. It's
1: easier. Every directs to the same place, but it, I think that's easier for people. HotepJesus.com.
0: Okay, sounds good. And i have everything for my listeners as well to just click, find you easy. But I appreciate you, bro. Nice. It means a lot. Thank you so much. It was an amazing conversation. You, uh, I learned a lot from you as well, and I love learning on my own episodes. People tell me that I'm a teacher, but I also pride myself on being a student. So, you know, thank you so much for just enlightening me as well. Appreciate you. You did an excellent job, man. Thank, thank you, man. Talk to you you soon. Hopefully, we cross paths in the future.
1: Oh, definitely. All right, brother. Later, man. man. Peace.
0: Yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about right there. Brother Hotep. Hotep Jesus, man of God. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed that episode. Hotep Jesus is an amazing individual. Super smart. He's for the people. And I really do hope to see him on Hip Hop Podcast in the future. Having him on Joe Budden would be amazing to have. Just so you can shut all these people up, to be honest. Make them look stupid. Honestly, that's kind of, I shouldn't even say like that. Just inform them and, and hopefully, you know, it, 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 it enlightens the audience and the listeners. But, man, shout out to the good brother. I really do appreciate that. Someone with that big of a following and platform to just reach out and do mine. This guy was on Joe Rogan, man. This guy was on Joe Rogan. So if you're listening to this episode because Hotep Jesus is on here and you like what you heard, you like my platform, you like what I'm bringing to the table, please do me a favor and subscribe to Chris Pirsey on the YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, I'm on Audio Mac. If you go on my Twitter, uh, ChrisXMab, they the link is there for all the platforms that Chris Spiracy is on. But subscribe on YouTube, please, Overly Blunt TV, or just type in Chris Spiracy, Um Apple Podcasts, uh, follow, leave a five-star review, four-star review, three-star review, two-star review, one-star review, leave some reviews and comments, uh, share it, please. And again, if you're, if you're here because of Hotep Jesus, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you for listening to this episode and taking, your, taking time out of your day. So on that note, I'll see you guys next week on another episode of Chris Spiracy. I'm out. Okay. Grab your folders in your bags and stuff. End the class, good looking Chris X mat. We'll be sure to make the bag for the next session that you're hosting. See your bright and the next show. And... grab your folders in your bags and stuff. End the class, good looking Chris X mat. We'll be sure to make the bag for the next session that you're hosting. See your bright and the next show. And...